electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, The Final Countdown. Black Swan investor Nassim Taleb is behind his firm's 105% annual return over the last decade. His key piece of advice heading into Tuesday's election count. Last time, people made a mistake predicting the winner. And it's so opaque that, to me, it's a sign of incompetence to try to predict the winner. you got to go 50-50. And election market whiplash has most of us reeling. But historian Ed Clissold has data to ground us before Tuesday. The rally is much stronger when you have the incumbent winning, especially the incumbent Republican winning. But when you go into the next year, it tends to reverse. Those stories, plus from Hollow Weekend to the Thanksgiving holiday, COVID cases are rising and state quarantine policies are shifting this November. I'm going away for Thanksgiving and I'm just wondering, what uh, am I going to be back in my basement with the delay? It's Monday, November 2nd, 2020. Squawk Pod begins right now. Here we go, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson announcing a second national lockdown over the weekend. It will begin on Thursday, closing all non-essential businesses for the next four weeks, but leaving schools open. Now, people will be ordered to stay at home except for grocery shopping, medical care or education, pubs and bars, They're going to be open only for takeout and delivery. Meantime, on the other side, France and Germany have also announced nationwide lockdowns. New COVID cases in Europe have doubled in just the last five weeks. Let's also uh, talk about what's happening in the United States. There were 99,000 new cases on Friday alone, a level reached for the first time since the pandemic began. Nearly two dozen states reported their worst weeks ever for new cases, 16 states reported single-day records, and three states reported record deaths. Um, so uh, it's uh, it's a lot. It's a lot, Joe. But uh, some potentially good news, Joe, uh, about what took place over the weekend in regard to what's happening in New York. Maybe trying to trying to understand this. I, I, the way the way that it's written, I'm not sure I understand it. Uh, but here it is. Over the weekend, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo ended the two-week quarantine requirement for people traveling from most U.S. states. Instead, New York will require travelers to get tested before traveling, then quarantine for three days before taking a second COVID test. If the test comes back negative, the quarantine period can end. The policy doesn't apply to New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, or Massachusetts. But so he's talking about, okay, for travelers coming in from those other states. Uh, I was I was thinking if if I were traveling out of a state to, uh, let's say, somewhere like Florida or something like that, if I were to travel there, I don't take the test before I leave. OK, so when I come back, no, I, you take the I, test I, after when I you come take back. one. Right. Not, how do you how do you another state requires how do you enforce compl- like Hawaii? Uh, you got to take one before you go too. right. I just wonder how you how you I guess you can't. How did how did you enforce any of this stuff? But. Here, it's, it's enforced for us here. I'll tell you who will enforce it. The jobs, yeah. 
What's the, that? The, empl the employers will enforce it. That's right. what happens. Right. That's the what I mean. Yeah. Enforce it. It's not. It's not the police. Well, are the employers it, but, enforce it in terms know, of coming to job, but they can't. They can't make you stay in your house, not go to a grocery store, not go to a restaurant. There, there were places sure. like Rhode Island, a much smaller state, where they actually were checking on you. They were sending yeah. out I think, state troopers at one point. So it's or, a three-day, even the national three-day quarantine. Then, right? You got to take the test right. and then it's wait. Effectively, a three-day quarantine. Well, so long then you, as gotta, you have the then test. it depends on how long it takes for the test results to come back, too. So you could wind up waiting a couple other days. So maybe five days instead of fourteen. Yeah, and I guess, you know, every employer will decide exactly how strict they, you need to follow. The, I'm thinking again myself, because I'm going away for Thanksgiving, and I'm just wondering, what, uh, am I going to be back in my basement with the delay and with the, you know, with that? I do get uh, people bring me toast and stuff, um, but, uh, <laughs> um, but I don't, the I, de I definitely would rather... Uh, be, be here. So I'm trying to figure out how that's going to work for us. I wonder if it matters on how the election well, it, turns look, out. Look, as long too. as the state is still staying that, I think the employees, employers will follow those rules. Right. So it, I don't think it's a suggestion. I think it's still mandatory. You, uh, but it also depends on how quickly you can get a test turnaround. It'd be three days if you can get a quick test yeah. coming back the other side. Right. But we know how testing has not always been great. Sometimes it's two, three, four days before you get those test results back. But you, you two are not planning but, on leaving the state for Thanksgiving? No, uh, I'm not leaving the state for Thanksgiving, but it but I would just say this is a huge improvement. And it, it, if other states were to follow this, you could actually see in terms of economic activity. Now, I know there are people who have questions about the efficacy or safety of, of, of this decision, but I think there's a lot of businesses. You talk about business travel, you talk about yeah. vacation travel, you talk about all of the economic, um, you know, the economic machine behind this. And to the extent that we can get more precise with these lock, to the extent we're going to have either lockdowns or quarantining measures, if you can, if you can be pr precise about it, and actually the testing is good, this to me is a, a huge leap forward. Right. right. I, I, I would agree. I think that's been part of our problem is we haven't had better testing. So it, when in doubt, people wind up in quarantine for 10 days, 14 days. I, if you can test these things, and if we ramp up the testing and quickly and run with this, I think that does help all the way around for the economic uh, well, part that, of this equation. That two-week was a blunt instrument. When I did go away, and I, I did two two-week quarantines, but when I did go away, I was in a county in one of the states that, that was on the list that was lower than back here. So, I, you know, it, it was the way that it was yeah. sort of enforced made, made no sense. I was not in, you know, a, a, a high-incident county, but no one asked because it was the entire state. It was like this monolithic thing. So, No, and there, there are parts of, of New Jersey at points that would have fallen like down by the shore a couple of months, a month or two ago, if you went down that, to one of those counties, if that county wasn't in the state, you would have had to quarantine coming back because the rates there were so high. I mean, exactly. it's, it, it's, not, it's not perfect. It's imprecise. Um, they've been blunt instruments, as you mentioned. But the, the yeah. better we get with this, the more testing that we can do, the more precise we can be. And then people can right. feel a little better about things. Right. Regeneron's antibody drug has been proven to help fight off COVID-19, but a complicated manufacturing process will be a limiting factor for supply. Meg Terrell joins us right now. She's got more on that front. Uh, Meg, good morning. It's great to see you. 
It's good to see you, Becky. So Regeneron started the process of working on this drug way back in January. And essentially, it's a combination of two different antibodies, one that they engineered in mice and one that they isolated from people who've survived COVID-19. Uh, and the reason it takes so long to produce, once they start manufacturing, it's about a three to four month process, is because they're actually grown in living cells. The cells come from Chinese hamster ovaries. Now that might sound crazy, but these are actually common cells used to grow biotech drugs. And they're essentially grown up in these series of bioreactors that start in really small ones like soda cans and get ever larger over a period of about four to six weeks. Once they get to the big vat, which really starts to look like a brewery where you'd make beer, but a lot cleaner, uh, they start to churn out these antibodies. From that process, they go into quality control, which takes another three to four weeks, and then they get shipped to another location to go through fill and finish. So all in, it's three to four months. And that's why at this point, even though they started this months ago, Regeneron only has 50,000 doses available if the drug got the green light from the FDA now. Now they plan to get that up to 300,000 by early 2021, and they've partnered with Roche so that next year they expect to have two million total doses for treatment uh, of this antibody cocktail. Now, uh, people are frustrated that we don't have more of these drugs. And in fact, Scott Gottlieb has pointed out he's been calling for an increased effort from the government to ramp up the manufacturing of these antibodies. He says way back uh, in March, he says Regeneron did extraordinary work to secure their own manufacturing, but we needed a concerted industrial effort to get the supply we needed. And in fact, Becky, he's still calling uh, for more government uh, effort here to try to get more of these drugs as kind of a bridge to vaccines uh, if and when you know they start rolling out and we need uh, other options as well. Becky? Hey, hey, Meg, the whole idea of this, we, we've spoken with Scott about this too, Scott Gottlieb. If the government was to step in now and start spending to, to try and ramp up some of the production on it, how, how quickly could that change the scenario? You're still talking about months, no matter what happens. Yeah, I mean, what we were hearing from Regeneron about this manufacturing process, so just how complicated it is. And there aren't a lot of free manufacturing plants out there to make these antibody drugs. There are a limited number of companies that have this capacity. And the kind of partnerships we're seeing, Regeneron working with Roche, Eli Lilly has partnered with Amgen to increase capacity. They're not things we typically see. Um, still, folks like Gottlieb do think that more could be done here. And of course, he wishes it had started earlier. And Meg, in terms of how something like that would happen, you'd have to use the Defense Production Act to do it. And to the extent that the Trump administration has argued uh, that the quote unquote market, uh, the private market would take care of itself in this instance, is the issue that it's not profitable enough to do. I mean, if this was a remarkably profitable uh, project, you would think lots of companies would want to get involved, given that two, two million doses doesn't sound like a lot in terms of global demand. Yeah, those are all really good questions. Um, you know, Regeneron actually shifted all of the manufacturing that it does in the United States of all of its other drugs to Europe months ago and freed up all of its U.S. manufacturing space in order to make this drug. And so it's just an example of how difficult it is um, to make these investments early when you don't know, you know, how much drug will be needed, whether the drugs will work. There's just an incredible amount of risk. It's very expensive. And so what you've seen them do, the government do very successfully with vaccines, is invest more than $10 billion in multiple different projects. And we really are seeing those moving at these incredible paces. If you look at uh, what Operation Warp Speed has invested in therapeutics, it's less than $2 billion. Now, that's still a significant amount of money, and they have invested with Lilly and Regeneron uh, to make these purchasing agreements, support production, and try to create a market. Um, but it is a different focus. Vaccines have really been the focus of uh, Operation Warp Speed. Hey, Meg, thank you. Good to see you.
Next on Squawk Pod, he predicted a global epidemic in 2007 and warned against the systemic risk of a pandemic earlier this year. Black Swan author Nassim Taleb. The risk is the virus and the solutions are not that complicated or the immediate solution not that complicated. So I think that this is a, a sort of like case study of government uh, worldwide incompetence and in dealing with a problem and denial. We're back after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Have you heard of a black swan? In market speak, it's a rare, unpredictable event, a risk that no one saw coming that has potentially catastrophic consequences. But even with the lack of prediction, a black swan seems obvious in hindsight. Of course, underregulated mortgage borrowing would lead to a crash in the housing market. Of course, enthusiasm over brand new dot-com companies that nobody understood what they did or how they made money would inflate a giant bubble. The term was popularized by Nassim Taleb, a finance professor at NYU, economist, and former Wall Street trader. His book by that title was published in 2007 and warned that the very unpredictableness of these kinds of crises, black swans, shocks to the system, can make us blind to the danger. That blindness, it doesn't keep us safe. We can try to predict, to assess risk, to crunch the numbers, but a novel virus could emerge when we least expect it, a natural disaster a terrorist attack. Taleb tweeted over this past weekend, pandemics, like wars, you know when they start, never when they'll end. Nassim Taleb joined us on Squawk Box today to discuss how uncertainty is the wobbly driving force of these final few months of 2020. We all want to know what will happen in the future, but we can't. Good advice on this day, one day before election day, 2020. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin. Nassim, it is great to see you this morning. We appreciate you joining us uh, as we try to make some sense of this market uh, ahead of the elections and try to think through the risks uh, to the markets uh, and to the economy, which is something uh, that is your expertise. So tell us, to the extent you're thinking about black swans of this election, what would they be? Uh, I, I don't think I mean, I, I don't think you, you I mean, you should think in terms of black swans because it's not complicated. You're going to have one or the other. Black Swan would be to have either, neither or both or some third person. But the, the, the central thing is that uh, last time people made a mistake predicting the winner. And it's so opaque that to me it's a sign of incompetence trying to predict the winner and, and you've got to go 50-50. Same thing here. And the same people who last time gave a certain candidate uh, 5%, 1%, 10%, 15%, are making the same mistake by predicting again. You have to treat it as an opaque system. We don't know what's going to happen. And, uh, and it's going to be therefore, therefore one or the other, 50-50. And then when it happens, we'll deal with it. The second point and the second mistake, uh, the last time people made the association between a result, say a Trump, and stock market. A lot of people said, oh, if we have uh, President Trump, uh, 
the stock market's going to collapse, and exactly the opposite happened. Now, the very same people are also making speculation on what would happen to the market if uh, either candidate uh, wins. So today, given that you have always, quote unquote, leaned into risk, you've always acknowledged there's always going to be risk and we should bet that that risk may, may turn out to be true. What are the risks yeah. in the marketplace to you now? I mean, I'm, I'm seeing uh, it's not just the risk of the marketplace. I'm seeing a lot of denial uh, in, in social life everywhere about this virus from the beginning. Now we're 10 months into uh, this virus and people are still hoping for vaccine, something that would cancel it. And, and, and they, they go like one month at a time. Oh, it's going to be over. It's the same for governments. Don't realize that this kind of denial is what's causing us to incur such a high cost in GDP and in, 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 in many things, and in, in it's even social life and everything, high cost. We, 10 months into the pandemic, we still do not have systematic testing. When you board a plane, when you go to a, you know, when you, when you go to a restaurant or something, if we had instant systematic testing, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be talking now about the pandemic. That's a that's a big problem, a very big problem, that we can uh, we think we we sp still spend trillions of dollars I mean, worldwide uh, uh, on nuclear weapons on what and when the risk is the virus and the solutions are not that complicated or the immediate solution not that complicated. So I think that this is a, a sort of like case study of government uh, worldwide incompetence in dealing with a problem and denial. So we have, and, and we don't know what's going to happen. Imagine this is continuing until January, February, March, because, you know, in the winter people are inside, so contagion rates are higher. So think about what can happen then. So you got to, it's not, it's not as, as that rosy. Now, what impacts on the market? It's weird because the market, the S&P 500 that I see now on the screen, seems to represent the technology more than anything else. And technology has been a winner. A lot of jobs have been created by COVID. People forget that. Maybe not, you know, in uh, you know, in every discipline or in every uh, sector, but a lot of jobs have been created by by COVID. And if you see a rise in employment or a decline in unemployment, it's not from Delta Airlines or American Airlines hiring flight attendants or hiring back flight attendants. It's from technology companies and 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 people who have, have adapted or making money from COVID, uh, uh, you know, uh, benefiting from it and hiring a lot of people and contributing to a, a growth in GDP that's very different from the previous one we've, you know, the previous ones we've had in, so, in the past year. So, Nassim, how, how quickly do you think the economy will recover from, from here, irrespective of which president uh, uh, or okay. of which candidate becomes president? Okay, irrespective, provided, I mean, okay, there is, uh, of course, if, if Biden's elected, you have the tax issues, and it always can bring some distortions, some disincentives, uh, some effect. But let's say, how will the economy recover from here? You don't want, you don't, you would not go back to pre-COVID, because we have had changes in the structure, economic structure, that are permanent. I mean, you have companies that were harmed by COVID temporarily, like uh, or, or people like barbers. Uh, you know, I don't have a lot of hair, but I would always need a barber, dentist, and stuff. They will they will come back. Uh, tourism probably will come back. Business travel will not be the same. 
uh, real estate in, 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 in places like New York City is never, I mean, in, in commercial real estate is never going to be the same. Retail is not never going to be the same. You actually have consumer switch and, and behavioral switch into uh, different directions, namely uh, remote work, uh, remote meetings, and stuff like that. So you had to think in terms of an economy that's vastly different from the one we had before. And for, I mean, we've had the internet now for uh, two and a half decades, we've been talking about it for two and a half decades, but this looks like this is a big impact from the internet. Let me ask you a psychological, I don't know if it's a psychological black swan or not. I was talking to a doctor late last week and we were talking about perhaps one of the black swans being that we might get a, and maybe it's binary, you get a vaccine and you get it quick and it actually gets to scale and distributed very, much quicker than people expect. But on the downside, uh, this doctor was suggesting to me, it's possible two, three years out from now, the testing that you're talking about, the idea that you take a test before you get on a plane, that you take a test before you go to school in the morning, you take a test before you walk into the restaurant or walk into a movie theater, that that could still be ongoing even after there's a vaccine and what that would do to economic life and economic growth. Okay. Is, is no, that no. a black swan in your mind? No, the idea for me, and the central point, is that uh, uh, we can control the pandemic with very simple methods, rather than go for a high tech like a vaccine, which with a lot of unpredictability, with better treatment, with a lot of unpredictability. We can focus. We can do all these things. We should focus immediately on the simplest solution, and the least economic, the one with with the smallest economic cost. Testing would be the ideal solution. Why 10 months into the pandemic, we still do not have systematic testing? Not just, I mean, I'm talking United States, Europe. I mean, I've, I've been boarding planes and, and nobody's tested. I'm paranoid, of course, uh, with two masks. So this is my point. And testing is not for you and I to enjoy life. Testing is to lower the rate of uh, transmission of the pandemic. And progressively, it will you know, without the people who have it and, and the contagion, uh, you know, rate would, would go down. That's the idea of testing. Not, uh, now, the uncertainty, economic uncertainty you have from here, uh, I think uh, we're, there's a point where we're vastly worse off than before the pandemic, that they've discovered the printing press. And discovering the printing press, you see what's happening. Uh, we still have some deflation. Uh, forces in, in some sectors, but uh, that printing, uh, no, nobody in history of, of, of uh, in financial history has printed with impunity. Eventually, you're going to have to pay for so it. This, deficit. But what is the hedge? What is the, the, the economic instrument with which you would hedge against that or these other risks you're talking about? I should note, by the way, that at least according to some reports, uh, your firm posted a 4,144% return in the first quarter alone, based on a hedge you had made relative to COVID? Okay, I mean, I cannot talk returns, but we can talk about, uh, no, this is Universal's tail risk hedging program, uh, and, and the nature of, of the product is uh, to, uh, it is dual, is to provide tail risk hedging uh, to pre pre prevent people from uh, being stopped out in the market, having to exit when you have uh, trouble and make money, if I mean, or like sort of like insurance. Uh, but the, uh, the 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 program, the way we view it, uh, is not just a hedging program. It is a uh, an alpha generating. It's it's a hedge fund on its own. You know that uh, in, in this decade, uh, a little more than a decade, as as the last. 
uh, iteration of the program has has done uh, phenomenally well. So uh, the uh, that's the way we view it anyway. So but but individuals should not be in. Uh, the market if they are scared. Uh, That's our idea, is that you should not be a hoper. Uh, You should be there with money you're willing to lose. And and you should uh, realize that you have more uncertainty ahead than 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 you think. I mean, the returns can be a, a lot better or a lot worse than you think. And, and the tendency of people to underestimate that uncertainty is chronic, just like uh, the uh, the inability of people to understand that they're forecasting in uh, elections is <laughs> is uh, extremely poor. They don't realize that they keep doing the same. So uh, there's okay. underestimation, uncertainty, underestimation of risk is chronic in human nature. Nassim Nicholas Taleb, we always appreciate spending time with you, and especially on a day like today. Uh, we do hope to have you back and talk to you about uh, the outcome and what may come next. Next on Squawk Pod, some historical perspective ahead of Election Day. After studying political cycles back to 1900, market strategist Ed Clissold says the winner might not matter much in a couple years. When you get into the next year, other things seem to matter more than all the concern over who's going to be in the White House. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Good morning. Welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. Joe, is this, uh, you think this is, is, this is, has, is an election call that people are making? Is it all of the, uh, the folks that have been uh, out uh, over the weekend supporting Trump? Is there a view that, that maybe the polls are wrong? I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to figure out what, what's moving the market this morning. It's either... It's either a prospect for the status quo, which is still possible, and I'm talking Senate and Trump, but I don't know, probably, I don't know whether that's a 30, 40% chance, or, or it's the, that the lead is now even more clear for Vice President Biden, so there's not going to be a contested election, so the market's up on that. Take your pick. Okay. I'll take, <laughs> I, I, like, I like either of those, but I mean, I, I think those are, that's, that's a smart thought. Really? Aren't, I really? was just talking, I was just talking, I talked to my brother, talking to my wife, talk, and, you know, they're seeing things. Uh, it depends on where you look. I sent the cover of the New York Times um, to my wife just now, where it says that the four battleground states that Biden's been widening his lead. She told me she saw somewhere else that 
uh, that that Trump has been gaining in a lot of those uh, those battleground states. I, I think it's anybody's I, call. I've just seen I, Andrew I and Becky. I have seen some 96 mile long car like parade. I saw, I saw that video too. I saw and, that video and, too. And I yep. saw the, the an Arizona shot, and I saw a Pennsylvania shot, and I, I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's every if that's everybody in the states it was that's New voting Jersey for, yesterday too. They shut down. Yeah. They shut I, I down mean, the Garden State Parkway yesterday. If every single person in the state is at that rally, I, and maybe that's why that's not going to put Trump over. But and, and Biden, I mean, I, I saw I saw some earlier that, that where they were explaining why his rallies were, were you know, not didn't have as many people. And it's right. it's deliberate, obviously, because he wants to do the social distancing. But even in The New York Times, they, they, the guy, one person, I think it was Berenson, our buddy Alex Berenson said buried in that piece was that the crowds aren't quite as big as might have been expected at this point. He goes, you know, the, I don't know. Right. Do you know, Sorka, where, where are you? Are you, where are you? I, are you, I honestly don't know. There's part, don't there's part of me that thinks, no, there's part of me that thinks that this is a view that we're going to get a decision. It's going to be clear in the way that the polls seem to be suggesting, which would suggest a Biden win. But there's part of me that looks at, you know, the, the crowds that you're seeing over the weekend and the fact that historically the markets have liked Trump, and so maybe maybe this is a bit of a hedge. I don't. I'm, it's hard to understand. Last week, when when you were talking about the, you know, they're boarding up all of New York and Beverly. Everything's getting boarded up. And you were talking last not week. Not in New I, York. Very little in New York. Bergdorf. I think yeah, in New York is there, not. The, there is. There, there is. There's. I know for a fact because of the window. Uh, Andrew, you know what I'm talking right. about. But they, they're board, they're boarding yep. some things up and and, and other places. I thought it was last week when you were talking about, you know, I thought you were sort of implying that all these these crazy right wingers are going to be out looting and rioting. And, and I, I think that's not who I'm, you know, the, the violence that we've seen in the past six months or a year has not. The right is the, 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 the you know, the militia and some of that stuff is frightening. And what happened in, in, uh, in Michigan, yeah, I understand all that. But yeah. I, if I was boarding up. I mean, either side is capable of, you know, I, I might be more like a, right. a lot of the violence we've seen has not been from the, those, those seniors at the villages that are upset about the... Well, look, it goes back to what we saw last week where, where was it, Reuters Ipsos, is that their, their, their poll said that four out of ten supporters on both sides said that they wouldn't accept the re election results if it didn't support their candidate. Right. So that's eight. Right. Doesn't that add up to eight people out of ten? Uh, maybe not. That, that's not math. But four out of ten on both sides. Is like, let me think. No, yeah. that that that, that doesn't. Forty percent of the electorate. Right. Yeah. Forty. It, it, it's at forty. It's not okay. eighty. But um, yeah. I don't know. Have you ever seen this? this is. I'll be glad when it's over, won't you? I, either, either way. Yes. I, why, I might not Tomorrow be that glad. I can't glad. get here soon enough, and then we'll see what happens. <laughs> I might not be that glad when it's all over. It depends. But um, you know, we all got our. I, I was at a restaurant, and uh, a lot of people, you know, they come up to me. You can imagine what they say to me, and um, I don't know. And this is even nice in New mask. Jersey. Huh? Yeah, put they, on a mask. Nice mask? You, yeah, yeah, nice mask. Put on a mask. <laughs> you look better with a mask. Your teeth look better. Do they throw their drink at you? What happens? Oh, no, no, no. They're, they're like, tell me it's going to be okay. That's what they say. Oh. Yeah. They do. And you can read into that however you want. But um, neighbors that I, I'm, I'm in shock. I'm like, wow, you? Um, so I don't, you know, so it's, I, I, it's very hard to gauge. It's very hard. To, 
you read David Axelrod says he spends 24 hours a day calming the nerves of, of his friends. So I don't think anyone yeah. is that confident about, about what's, what's going to happen. Agree. Right. I, I don't have any idea what's going to happen. I don't either. I don't either. And, you know, yeah. we, we all remember four years ago, it's like, what was that? It was like, right. when you see a 98.1 go to 98.1, like in an hour, it's like, what was I, you know, it's insane. Can we just make a, make a pact, guys, that if, 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 if one or the other side wins, there's going to be no sore winning or, or sore losing. Can we do that? Can we not uh, be Fine too by much? by me. That's you two. Can we, <laughs> can we not do too much gloating? You two make your pact. I, I may get off Twitter today just so I don't have to see what happens on Wednesday, depending on the, uh, I don't, yeah. uh, you know, because it's, God, the level but of But yes, uh, I, I think we should all agree that, yeah, pact. civility, yes. Civility on all sides, and I think we're, I'm we're not, better at I'm that. Not I mean, you've heard about interfamily squabbles and divorces, and yep. I mean, this is nuts. This is, uh, it's like nothing. Um, it's probably a good thing a lot of people aren't traveling for Thanksgiving this year. That's right. It, it probably is. Yeah. All right, now because here we go. Get a family Save. gathering, add a little alcohol. Woo uh, it, yeah, yeah, add a little alcohol. Uh, anyway, yeah, exactly. <laughs> On the final weekend of the 2020 electoral cycle, President Donald Trump and Democratic candidate Joe Biden made their closing arguments in America's battleground states. This election is a choice between a Biden depression or a Trump super boom. We're going to be booming. We're going to have the greatest year. The only thing that can tear America apart is America itself. And that's exactly what Donald Trump's been trying to do. Everybody knows who Donald Trump is. Let's show them who we are. With less than 24 hours left to go before the official election day, campaign spending is set to hit a record $14 billion as Trump and Biden battle for the White House. This sum will be more than double what was spent in the 2016 election and more than the previous two presidential election cycles combined. Now let's get back to Becky Quick. Let's bring in a guest who studies market performance around elections. Joining us right now is Ed Clissold. He is Ned Davis Research Group Chief U.S. Strategist. And Ed, you took a look at these things. And typically, right after an election, if, uh, if the Republican incumbent wins, the markets tend to do better. But that's not necessarily the case for the next year. What, what are you kind of looking at when you look historically at what happens? Yeah, so we look back to 1900 uh, at all election cycles, and we divide the market up into whether the incumbent won or lost, in particular when the Republican incumbent won or lost. And the market does tend to rally um, either way after the election. It's a relief rally, uh, but the rally is much stronger when you have uh, the incumbent winning, especially the incumbent Republican winning. But when you go into the next year, it tends to reverse. Actually, the market does better when the incumbent Republican has lost. And so I think the message from this is a lot of the political angst is really more about sentiment, not about fundamentals. When you get into the next year, other things seem to matter more uh, than all the concern over who's going to be in the White House. Meaning that people worry there are going to be big changes to come and, and is often the case in Washington, less gets done, historically at least? Exactly. Yeah. So, the, so for example, um, if Biden were to win, there probably will be some angst over uh, higher taxes, increased regulations. But in reality, those things are very hard to get through. Even if the Democrats take the Senate, too, it may be hard to get some of those through. And they may not even be the top of uh, Biden's agenda in 2021. It may be something he pushes for uh, later on in a few years. So it doesn't mean these things are going to happen. And so, uh, you know, the, the market will be concerned about it. But in reality, um, you know, a lot of the time, those things don't actually come to fruition. 
I mean, you were looking all the way back to 1900. Is there an argument to be made that maybe that's changed a little bit in recent history, maybe the last 12 years, the last 16 years, the last 20 years? Uh, well, first of all, an important caveat. We're not talking about a ton of cases. Um, and so you don't want to draw too many strong conclusions. This is one piece of the puzzle when you talk about investing. But actually, uh, the, the data's been pretty consistent. If you look at the six times um, the incumbent Republican Party has lost, um, the, the market was actually down from September the 15th to Election Day, um, six out of six times. So this has been very consistent. Mm -hmm. Uh, where um, you know it doesn't matter if you go back to 1900, started in 1980. You know, these these trends have been fairly consistent. You said that it didn't matter even when the Democrat took the Democrats took the Senate at the same time, and I think that's the big question people have been watching. If you're going to see big swings, it's going to be because there's a blue wave that takes over all three of the branches, all three of those branches. But uh, have, do you have any historical uh, things that look back at, at, at even when? The opposition party takes the Senate too. It doesn't. It doesn't necessarily matter. So yeah. So we've looked at various combinations. So so for example, a Democratic president, Democratic Congress, Democratic president, Republican Congress, Democratic president, split Congress. And actually, under Democrats uh, in in the White House, the market's done a, a little bit better when there has been some sort of check on their power. That is either split Congress or uh, or Republican Congress. Um, although the market has risen under. Uh, Democrat president, Democrat Congress as well, just not as much. So there is something to be said for some sort of check on power, um, especially if there's a Democrat in, in the White House. Ed, want to thank you for your time today. Thanks for having me. That's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern and subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend to subscribe and tweet us anytime at Squawk CNBC. We'll meet you back here on Election Day 2020 tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture-proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.